Welcome to Dave's Daily Crypto Take. Today is Friday, October 1st, 2021. Let's take a look at today's charts. At number one, BTC is $43,588.97. This one is just staying at 0.00%. Ethereum at number two, $3,003.31, down 0.85%. Tether at number three, $1. Cardano at number four, $2.11, down 0.20%. Binance coin number five, $386.78, up 1.22%. XRP number six, 95 cents, down 0.40%. Number seven, Solana, $140.30, up 0.88%. USD coin number eight, $1. Polkadot number nine, $28.79, up 1.53%. And last but not least, number 10, Dogecoin, 20 cents, down 0.52%. Let's take a look at the Crypto Fear and Greed Index. Extreme fear can be a sign that investors are too worried that could be a buying opportunity. And when investors are getting too greedy, that means the market is due for a correction. So what we got is fear at 27. Extreme fear yesterday was 20. Last week was fear at 33. And last month was greed at 71. Let's take a look at our five articles today. Article number one is... The true difference between Bitcoin and Ethereum, according to Grayscale CEO. Article two, is maturing Bitcoin's current four-year cycle even a cycle? Article three, how a Bitcoin court case in Japan may create crypto millionaires. Article four, Chamath Palipatia reveals he's put hundreds of millions into Bitcoin and says cryptocurrencies are hard to kill. And last but not least, the main topic today, Article 5, is higher inflation, winners and losers when prices rise. All right. So before I get into the articles, just want to say welcome to Dave's Daily Crypto Take. Again, thank you so much for all your support. You can catch me on Apple, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. And if you're in the YouTube space, please like, share, and subscribe. It has helped me out. If you want to learn and know about other crypto news, please leave me a message or comment down below and let me know what you think. Let's get into it. Article number one. The true difference between Bitcoin and Ethereum, according to Grayscale's CEO. The value of each of the two largest cryptocurrencies, Bitcoin and Ethereum, fell earlier this week amid an outright ban on cryptocurrency trading in China, an indication of forthcoming regulations from the U.S. Securities Exchange Commission. In general, Ethereum prices tend to move in tandem with Bitcoin, but the two coins are used for very different purposes that should be taken into account by investors, says Michael Sonneson, CEO of Grayscale Investments which calls itself the world's largest cryptocurrency asset manager. That investing advice applies to the wide array of coins on offer. Sonnison said, urging investors to understand the use cases of each cryptocurrency in order to assess its viability as an investment. Things like Bitcoin are inherently built to be a digital form of money or a store of value, says Sonnison, during Yahoo Finance's all-market summit plus crypto investing. Whereas things like Ethereum are meant to be more of a gas to power decentralized applications and the list goes on and on. There's a challenge for investors, he adds. There are now hundreds, if not thousands, of digital currencies out there. 
many investors, I think, first have to understand the underlying technology, as well as the use cases around various digital currencies to decide what may make sense for them, he says. While prominent critics of Bitcoin question its efficacy as a form of money, many Bitcoin supporters say it can be used for transactions and point to companies like Overstock.com and Starbucks that offer customers ways to pay in Bitcoin. Speaking on a panel in July, ARK Invest CEO, CIO, Kathy Wood said, right now, high value transactions take place over Bitcoin, and that is a very useful role. Meanwhile, Ethereum comprises both the second largest cryptocurrency and the blockchain that supports most non-fungible tokens or NFTs, which amount to unique digital assets that can be traded but not replicated. NFTs drew attention in March when a digital work by the artist Beeple sold an auction for $69 million. Regardless of the variation between coins, some investors will pass up on the cryptocurrency opportunity entirely, acknowledged Sonnison of Grayscale. The truth of the digital currency ecosystem is that it's not necessarily going to be appropriate for every investor, he says. We tend to find that those who want to allocate a digital currencies are those that are having a higher risk tolerance, a longer time horizon for their investment. The risk in the space owes in part of the uncertain regulatory environment. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen last month urged speedy adoption of rules for stable coins a form of cryptocurrency that pegs its value to a commodity or currency like the U.S. dollar. Last month, SEC Chair Gary Gensler described the crypto market as the wild, wild west and has since indicated our desire to regulate it. Still, crypto proponents say the market will remain intact, even if the U.S. imposes new regulations. Kristen Smith, executive director of the Blockchain Association, told Yahoo Finance on Monday that regulation doesn't pose an existential threat to crypto. As the crypto market has evolved, investors have diversified their portfolios beyond Bitcoin and Ethereum, Sardison said. With that, we've seen a trend amongst investors to ensure that if they do invest, they're also doing it through a diverse lens, investing beyond just assets like Bitcoin and Ethereum, where much of the market cap is concentrated today, he says. So, there you guys have it. What do you guys think about this article? The true difference between Bitcoin and Ethereum, according to Grayscale CEO. Comment down below and let me know what you think about this. Let's move on to article number two. Is maturing Bitcoin's current four-year cycle even a cycle? 2013, 2017, 2021. Bitcoin analysts have been using the four-year cycle to better understand the crypto's long-term performance and predict its trajectory. The stages in the cycle are exponential highs, correction, accumulation, and continuation. However, this year was nothing like the ones before it. During an episode of the What Bitcoin Did podcast, host Peter McCormack spoke to Bitcoin on-chain analyst Willie Wu about the four-year cycle, the crypto market scheme, and the fundamental difference between Bitcoin and Ethereum. Is the cycle still relevant? McCormack, to his credit, was quick to admit that he didn't know where the market is going. In fact, the podcaster believes the 2021 Bitcoin scene feels nothing like 2017 or 2013. Wu agreed with the same and said, quote, Well, that's what I've been telling everybody. This is unique. This bull run, 2020 
slash 2021 is you wouldn't have seen anything like it before. Structurally, it's completely different, right? According to Wu, Bitcoin is maturing with larger entities entering the market and mining becoming increasingly corporate too. What's more, he claimed that both long-term and swing traders have been buying over the past week before moving their coins into cold storage. Interestingly, in light of the recent drop in price, Wu also pointed a finger at the Evergrande debt crisis that has been doing the rounds. He added, quote, one of the things that's interesting in this year is that we've got different actors in the market and they're all doing different things. Wu concluded his point by stating, the cycle is not a cycle in my reckoning. So bulls versus bears. McCormack and Wu also discussed whether the market is bullish and if there is a likelihood of a bearish interval. According to the on-chain analysts, though some people have become bearish somewhat, there is really no cause to be super bearish. Worth noting, however, that at press time, the Bitcoin fear and greed index had a value of just 24, a sign that the market was in a state of extreme fear. Of protocols and platforms, as expected, McCormack and Wu also traded views on the timeless Bitcoin versus Ethereum debate. Wu proposed that Bitcoin was a protocol. He said, quote, you define protocols as things that message and the message we're sending is. I'm sending you money. Glassnode tweets, the total volume of Bitcoin held by long-term holders has reached a new all-time high of 80.5% of circulating BTC. The breakdown of circulating supply is LTH supply profit, 71%. LTH supply and loss is 9.4. STH supply equals 19.5%. On the contrary, the analyst believes that Ethereum is a platform with a language and a development environment. While remarking that he isn't worried about Ethereum competing with Bitcoin, he did point out that Ethereum has to find its niche due to the emergence of rival smart contract platforms in the space. So what do you guys think about this article? Is maturing Bitcoin current for your cycle even a cycle? Comment down below and let me know what you think about this four-year cycle. Do you agree with it or do you think that this year is different? All right. Article number three. How a Bitcoin court case in Japan may create crypto millionaires. The picture says, Mount Gox, are you solvent? A bankruptcy case in Japan will conclude next month where $6 billion worth of Bitcoin could be distributed to thousands of recipients across the globe. The resolution of the Mt. Gox Bitcoin exchange insolvency case could create a multitude of new Bitcoin millionaires. This is because many of the 36,800 Mt. Gox creditors who have been waiting almost a decade for reimbursement have payout claims in the hundreds or the thousands of Bitcoin. Mt. Gox is based in Japan, as was once the world's largest Bitcoin exchange handling 70% of global transactions. The company filed for bankruptcy after a series of hacks in 2014 that saw 850,000 Bitcoin disappear. Nearly 2% of the total amount of Bitcoin that will ever exist. However, 200,000 BTC have since been recovered and will be returned to the creditors at either 2014 fiat currency prices or as Bitcoin, depending on whether a civil rehabilitation plan is passed. 
Since Bitcoin has soared in value by more than 100 times since 2014, bankruptcy, the creditors favor payouts in BTC. So the exchange's creditors are hoping that a majority of yes votes agreeing with the civil rehabilitation plan are filed at the Japanese court by the online deadline of 8th of October and in the in-person deadline of 20th October. The magnitude of a possible 6 billion Bitcoin payout has led crypto analysts to warn of a possible market shock where recipients dump their newly acquired Bitcoin en masse after taking back ownership of their coins. With thousands of Bitcoin and Bitcoin Cash billed to enter into the market through uh, Mt. Gox, there remain fears that the overall impact on price will be brutal when the exchange's holders liquidate their positions, Konstantin Asnemosov, executive director at CEX.io, told Yahoo Finance. His views are echoed by the Bitcoin pioneer Max Kaiser. The possibility of a Mt. Gox-related Bitcoin dump is weighing on the price right now. After 20th of October, there will be an announcement from Nobuaki Kobayashi, the trustee to the Mt. Gox bankruptcy, on a timeline for paying creditors if the civil rehabilitation plan is accepted. However, if the Japanese court's plan is not passed, then ex- chief executive of Mt. Gox, Mark Carpeles, and the company's shareholders will suddenly become extremely wealthy individuals. The alternative to the civil rehabilitation plan is to settle each creditor's claim using the price of the Bitcoin at the time of bankruptcy in 2014, which was $450 per coin. This will see Carpellis and the other main shareholders, Jed McCaleb, receive the remaining surplus Bitcoin after creditors have been paid off at these low 2014 prices. The surplus has been estimated to amount of $5.1 billion in Bitcoin using today's spot price figures. Speaking to Yahoo Finance, Carpellis illustrated that would happen if the civil rehabilitation plan fails, stating that the process will return to the 2014 bankruptcy, which means that excess funds will be paid to shareholders, which includes a bankrupt entity, Tebeni, 88%, and Jeb and Jed McCaleb, 12%. The excess $5.1 billion in Bitcoin would then be shared between Tebeni, the company that owns Mt. Gox, headed by Carpellis, McCaleb, and a crypto pioneer who developed the Ripple protocol. However, Carpellis has a solution for creditors if this is eventuality. He said that he could file for Mt. Gox to not be in bankruptcy anymore and perform distribution to creditors directly from Mt. Gox or revive Mt. Gox not as an exchange, but something else that could benefit creditors. Many Mt. Gox creditors are confident that there will be a majority of yes votes. This view is echoed by Carpellis. I do not expect the civil rehabilitation to fail, he said. The vote is the conclusion of a nearly a decade of legal wrangling in Japan over reimbursement of the recovered Mt. Gox Bitcoin assets. In that time, many creditors may have changed email addresses and remain unaware of the need to vote to become reimbursed in Bitcoin. A minimum threshold of 50% of votes is required in order for the proposal to pass. The coordinator of a creditor group called Mt. Gox Legal has implored all creditors to cast their vote before the 8th of October deadline. He said the chance to finally recover something from the Mt. Gox debacle is now, and the way is to approve the civil rehabilitation plan in the ongoing vote. 
One Mount Gox uh, creditor described how it would be devastating to the 30,000 plus creditors and an indictment of the Japanese civil rehabilitation process if it does not pass, as the amount of money could be life-changing. He added, a majority of the funds would go to the Mount Gox estate, Mark Capellas, and some of the proceeds may go to the Japanese government. Both of these options are unacceptable and hopefully will not happen. The Mount Gox legal coordinator explained how the Japanese government could seize ownership of unclaimed assets. If the civil rehabilitation plan passes and distributions are made, any claim that remains unclaimed will be recovered to Japanese yen and placed in an asset holding facility provided by the Japanese court. Any unclaimed claims remaining in the facility after 10 years will be given to the Japanese government. The court verdict will not end Mount Gox's uh, saga. There are still 650,000 Bitcoin at large, and the trustee's attention could be brought to asset recovery efforts focused on the remaining amount. So there you guys have it. What do you think about this article? Is the Bitcoin court case in Japan may create crypto millionaires? Comment down below and let me know what you guys think. All right, uh, I just want to take a short break just to say thank you so much to all my supporters in America and South America. I've been looking at the analytics and thank you so much for all the people in the West Coast and East Coast, as well as people in Africa and Europe. Thank you so much for listening in to the podcast. I know you can listen in on Apple, Spotify, and Google. And if you're in the YouTube space, please like, share, and subscribe. It does help me out and I'll bring every unbiased crypto news there is to you. So let's keep on going. Article number four. Chamath Palipatia reveals he put hundreds of millions into Bitcoin and says cryptocurrencies are hard to kill. So there are three main points to this article. Number one, Chamath Chapalitia has put hundreds of millions into Bitcoin, he told CNBC on Wednesday. Two, the billionaire said it's hard for regulators to kill crypto, calling it the most profound iteration of the internet. And three, he was reluctant to reiterate his previous Bitcoin price prediction, saying it's hard to do so. Chamath Palipitia has invested hundreds of millions into Bitcoin and believes it's tough to impose a blanket ban on cryptocurrencies, he said in an interview with CNBC's Scott Wapner on Wednesday. The billionaire investor was asked what he thinks of SEC chair Gary Gensler saying the crypto market is rife with fraud and Ray Dalio saying regulators will try to kill Bitcoin if it becomes really successful. I think it's very hard to kill, Palpitia said. So technically, it's very difficult. Just the way that it's architected is it is the most profound iteration of the internet that we've seen. Google and Facebook dominated the first two versions of the internet by creating or organizing everything that now exists on it. While decentralized finance and cryptocurrencies are part of the next stage of the evolution to what is known as Web 3.0, he said the problem with big tech's dominance of the internet, according to him, is that it's down to two companies. The third version is rebuilding all of that stuff without an obvious leader. It's completely headless. It's entirely peer-to-peer, and I think that's the both scary and exhilarating, he said. Still, SEC's Gensler has continued to ramp up his calls for regulating cryptocurrencies and DeFi. This shows that Wall Street top regulator is keen to create a set of rules to oversee the volatile markets while balancing the interests of American innovators and investors at the same time. 
the social capital founder and said he's been studying the crypto market for the last 18 months in particular, making him a huge intellectual bull in the space, but his holdings seem to be mostly limited to Bitcoin. I haven't put a lot of money outside of Bitcoin, obviously. He said, you know, tens of millions, hundreds of millions, like small capital right now. It could get very big, but irrespective of what I do, I will say is all I need to pay attention to it because I think the implications are enormous. Palipatia has been a Bitcoin enthusiast for about a decade now. He began investing in it in 2012, only a few years after its inception. Early this year, he predicted the coin could hit $200,000 in five years. But on Wednesday, he said it's hard to predict where the price could go. It's very hard for me to sit here to give you a price prediction, he told CNBC. But I can pretty confidently say that Bitcoin, I think, has effectively replaced gold and will continue to do so and so that the market cap is just going to grow. Bitcoin was last trading 3% higher on the day at $43,073 per coin on Thursday, according to data from Coindesk. It's risen about 50% so far this year, according to Coinbase data. So there you guys have it. Chamath Palipitiya reveals he's put hundreds of millions into Bitcoin and says cryptocurrencies are hard to kill. Comment down below and let me know what you think about this article. Do you agree with Chamath or do you disagree? All right, let's take a look at our last and main topic for today. It is higher inflation, winners and losers when prices rise. Prices are rising, and even the experts don't know when they'll slow down. For five months straight, costs on the typical basket of consumer products have risen at the fastest pace in 13 years, according to the Department of Commerce. Another measure of inflation closely followed by officials on the nation's central bank, rose in July by the quickest rate since the 1990s. For the average American, the mere mention of inflation can stir up a panic. It conjures worries of a stagnating economy, rising prices, and an income that just can't keep up with the cost of living. Yet rising prices aren't extraordinary, and experts say they should increase by a steady amount every year a sign of a healthy, growing economy. Meanwhile, inflation was already expected to be higher this year, thanks to an economic bounce back from the pandemic, along with unprecedented monetary and fiscal stimulus. But the wallet-harming kind of inflation occurs when prices rise year after year across the board. And while price gains are showing signs of slowing down, the ultimate question is when inflation will return to more typical levels. Federal Reserve policymakers expect elevated inflation for at least three more years, according to the most recent predictions. Given the unprecedented nature of powering down much of the economy due to the pandemic and then suddenly rebooting, it is not surprising to see dislocations in demand and supply that are leading to higher prices, says Greg, Greg McBride, CFA, Bankrate's chief financial analyst. These increases are already showing some signs of moderating, and that will continue over the next 6 to 12 months. Higher shelter, housing costs, and price increases resulting from employers boosting pay will likely keep inflation readings persistently above 2% for the next 12 to 18 months, perhaps longer. Fed Chair Jerome Powell in September warned of upside risks that the inflation could continue to be a bigger threat 
to the economy than the Fed originally thought, adding that those supply chain issues have worsened in recent months and that prices today have risen on a wider assortment of products than earlier this year. Here's what you need to know about the clear winners and losers of an inflationary environment. Winners during higher inflation. Number one, fixed rate mortgage holders. Anyone with large fixed rate debts like mortgages benefit from higher inflation, says Mark Thoma, a retired professor of economics at the University of Oregon. Those interest rates are locked in for the life of the loan, meaning they won't ebb and flow with inflation. Home ownership may also be a natural hedge against inflation, given that homes are considered an appreciating asset over time. They're going to be paying back with devalued dollars, Thomas says, referring to fixed rate mortgage holders. Property holders also won't be exposed to rising rent costs during higher inflationary periods. Two, stockholders. Stockholders get some protection from inflation because the same factors that raise the price of goods also raise the values of companies. Meanwhile, companies can raise prices to shelter their profitability from inflation, but some firms have thinner profit margins, such as retail and food and drinking places. Theoretically, the value of equities varies directly and proportionally with inflation, Thomas says. When you double all prices and wages, you double profits and you double the value of stocks, basically. Number three, commodities investors. Commodity prices track the inflation rate closely. McBride says buying storable commodities such as gold can be a good hedge against inflation. Some investors have compared cryptocurrencies such as Bitcoin to a digital form of gold, especially considering that the asset has soared over the past few years. Experts, however, are divided on the issue. A March analysis from the Bank of America analyst Francisco Bianch found that Bitcoin's track record as an inflation hedge has yet to be seen, with its rapid price appreciation more so reflecting supply and demand. So, inflation's many losers. Number one, savers. In an economy where inflation is rising quickly, interest rates rarely keep up causing savers' hard-earned dollars to gradually lose buying power. McBride says he suggests one way, CD savers, can fight this trend. Keep your maturity short so you have the ability to reinvest at higher rates as inflation works its way out, McBride says. You don't want to be locked in long-term at a low rate of return only to see inflation go racing past you. Number two, retirees. A high inflation rate often means wage increases, but that won't benefit those who are retired, McBride says. Their pots of retirement money are already fixed. Price pressures could further harm retirees' wallets if they have too much exposure to cash or fixed income investments such as bonds. Higher inflation erodes the value of the savings that you have, he says. When inflation goes up, it tends to accelerate a lot faster than interest rates can keep up. So it erodes the buying power, not only of your existing savings, but anybody who's relying on interest income or investment income like retirees. Three, investors in long-term bonds. In a high inflation environment, it's on the bond side where there's a lot more trouble, Thomas says. If you're living off coupon bond payments, for instance, you're going to lose when there's inflation. McBride says bond investors are hedged against inflation by favoring short-term bonds and inflation index bonds. Four, variable rate mortgage holders. Homeowners with mortgage rates 
that aren't fixed typically see their borrowing costs climb periodically along with the broader inflation in the economy, leading to larger payments and decreased affordability. Five, credit card borrowers. Most credit cards have a variable interest rate tied to a major index, such as the prime rate. That means cardholders experience quickly climbing rates and higher payments in an inflammatory environment. Six, first-time homebuyers. McBride says people looking to save for their first-time home in the midst of a high inflation rate are confronted with quick rising home prices. Higher interest rates for mortgages and relentless slide in the value of any money they put away for a down payment. So bottom line, higher inflation can hurt the economy. Consumers and investors don't have many places to hide from inflation, meaning it can pose dire consequences for the economy. The dollars that consumers have in their wallets can't buy as much as it used to, meaning many people might decide to pull back on spending, especially if they don't get a pay raise to counter higher prices that could stifle demand, threatening business profitability and hiring. The Fed might also be forced to intervene by raising interest rates, not unlike what happened during the 1970s and 80s, higher borrowing costs make it more expensive to finance the new businesses and homes that are vital to a growing economy. If you look at periods of strong growth in US history, the one constant that has been very modest rate of inflation over that time, McBride says. So what do you guys think about this article? Higher inflation, winners and losers when prices rise. Comment down below and let me know what you think. Are you a winner or are you a loser in this whole game of crypto and inflation? All right, speaking of prices, let's take a look at the prices one last time. Number one is BTC. $43,588, Ethereum $3,003, Tether $1, Cardano $2.11, Binance Coin $386, XRP $0.95, Solana $139, USD Coin $1, Polkadot $28, and last but not least, Dogecoin at 20 cents. So there you guys have it. Thank you so much for making it this far into the podcast. As always, please like, share, and subscribe. And in the podcast space, Apple, Spotify, or Google, please leave a rating or review. It does help me out greatly. If you can, please DM me, send me a message, comment down below, and let me know what type of current crypto updates that you want to hear in the next few weeks other than that please have a great crypto day and i'll see you in the next one peace